It's time for building the game. Building the game. With Jason and friends. From tabletop game design. The forever It's at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, February 28th. And you're listening to episode 509. As always, I am your host, Jason, here today, joined by a back again guest after at least an episode or two. We have Hannah Schaefer. Hello, Hello. Hannah. Hi, Jason. Hello, designer of Questlandia and plenty of other things as well. Yeah. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, it's great to have you. Uh, it's weird to, to talk to you on the podcast because of the co-designers I work with, you're one of the people I talk to the most. Um, so like, I'm always talking to you. It's weird not to just be having a Zoom call. Right, I know. Recording. I am having trouble sort of separating this from our normal just like game design conversations. Right, 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 right. We'll try to sound more here like we know what we're talking about than when we have our normal <laughs> conversations when we're just like, what about this random stuff? No, okay. I'm kidding. That's what the show's about. So it'll be great. <laughs> so for the listeners here, what we thought we would do today was we thought we would we would chat about, um, you know, I, I've uh, I've talked on the show a little bit here and there about the game. If you find this, if you come to our weekly meetups, you've heard me talk about it a little more extensively uh, as one of the projects that I've been working on. and. And this is something that Hannah have been, and I have been working on for quite a while now. I don't remember when we started working, but it was it was a while ago. Um, do you remember when we first started? It was over a year ago, at least. Uh, time has gotten a little bit mushy the past few years. It really has, hasn't yeah, it? It's definitely been a while, probably longer than both of us thought. Yeah, 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 but that's that is okay. Um, you know, the whole the whole point is to um the whole point is to like, you know, um yeah, yeah, to get it right, you know. So, um yes, uh we started working together uh shortly uh just before 2021. Uh so yeah, I I sent you a message uh asking you questions about chatting about this game back on december 3rd 2020 thanks gmail thanks for remembering <laughs> that one of the last emails we ever sent to each other before joining discord and then just using that exclusively oh you're a good record keeper so, yeah okay so i just don't delete stuff yeah so but yeah so we've been working on it for a while and um you know and we thought it would be really fun to kind of talk through the process because um i don't want to i don't want to spoil anything but i'll foreshadow that you know when we started talking about this game, like I went into it and I think you did too, thinking this was going to be like a super quick project. Um, and it's turned into something with a whole life of its own, um, which is frankly a great thing. Um, so just a little foreshadowing there, not spoiling, foreshadowing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I think also some of the background was you knew that I worked on a lot of one page games or yeah, yeah, like small you know, RPGs, te yeah, teeny tiny little RPGs. And you were like, I have this game that's basically a one page game. You want to take a look at it? And then it kind of blossomed out from there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, so the I'll quick just talk a little bit about where if you find this even started to give people a little context. So, I submitted. So it was during the pandemic, and um, I think it was Game and a Curry had a contest. It was some Banana Chan was involved. I don't remember if it was specifically for Game and a Curry, but Banana Chan was involved in. There was a contest for 
um, creating a, uh, a couple page RPG that um, had to uh, play remotely because everything was remote. And that was kind of the idea. And, and I was really enamored with that idea. And I was in, like a lot of us, I was in a little bit of a tougher place, I think, uh, headspace wise then. Um, and so I, I set out to create this like meaningful idea, this meaningful like game that people could play together because, you know, there was so much loss at the time, right? I mean, so much loss from, from the pandemic and all of this and, and wanting to feel like, oh, I can make this game where we feel like you get to spend this time together and have this little adventure, but it's also about death and closure. And so that was kind of where I came into it, you know, and, and it didn't, it didn't do anything in the contest. Um, but you know, banana really like encouraged me to, to keep working on it. Like she had said, I, I really think this is a good idea. I think you should keep working on it. And that meant a lot to me because like you, she's done a lot of stuff in RPGs and I was like, she's real smart. Uh, I'm going to listen to her. And so, so I noodled around with it a bit, but I, I was kind of struggling to figure out exactly how to make it work. Um, and then I had you on the show uh, for other, I think it was just to talk about RPG stuff because we were talking about, yeah, I think it was the episode where we were talking about principles of game design and RPG design, like tabletop design and RPG design and how they go together, like how, what we can use as kind of um, complements to each other. You know, what's, what's the same, what's different. So, so yeah, so I said, Hey, I've got this short game. Uh, I think it just needs a little bit of extra stuff added in. And then I think we could, we could just put this game out there and it'd be fun. Yeah. Um, you know, and you give said, it a month. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> little did you know, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, so, you know, when you came to me with the idea for the game, my memory was that you were like, it's this game sort of about, um, loss and closure you you know sort of find somebody's last will and testament and you are trying to get this thing to a person that they care about um and i thought that was really cool and also one thing that i thought was cool was that the game has this element where you are both taking on the role of characters and also in between scenes playing as yourselves, mm -hmm. um, which was at first kind of hard for me to wrap my head around. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, that was really cool. I was like, Oh gosh, I've never played in a role-playing game that I can think of where at some point I've had to like embody myself at least directly. I mean, I'm always bringing parts of myself into a game and, uh, Little did we know how many challenges that also would entail. <laughs> <laughs> it it's funny because I remember you being drawn to that, like, oh, this is this is really unique. And I remember thinking, oh, wow, okay. Like, and you were like, I think there's gonna be some complexities here. And like I, I naively, when I designed it, made it so that you were playing yourself for for a large portion of the game, almost the entire game, um, because I wanted it to be easy for new players like people who never played rpgs it was something i wanted to use for team building and remote like coaching and team building stuff and um and then to have you be like no i think this is going to be tricky i was like really like and, yeah. and you were completely right but for me it just it was the i had the exact opposite feeling which was like this character stuff might be hard for people but this other part's going to be easy and i was in in incorrect <laughs> Yeah, it, turn, it turns out it's like kind of awkward for people to uh, 
imagine like embodying sort of a fictionalized version of themselves and that that's mm -hmm. been one of the trickier parts of the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so yeah, so I brought the game to you and we met up and we had some initial conversations and we just kind of brainstormed a bit and we didn't like nothing much changed. I think we kind of went along the path of like, well, let's, let's make it so people could create characters really easy. And so that these things could happen. And then, and then at some point pretty early in the design process, you said, Hey, what if this was a card game, which to this day is still my favorite thing that I came <laughs> to someone who was supposed to be an RPG designer. And then they said, maybe you should put cards in this RPG and, and make it more like a, more like a board game. <laughs> I was like, what? But it was a fantastic idea. Um, and it really like everything that has stayed the same about this game through the multiple iterations we've done has been because of those, what, what we've now determined to be 18 cards. We fluctuated, um, but like that really has, um, you know, that really has, um, helped to, um, kind of anchor the game in, in a way to where we say, okay, this is what the game is, um, based around these components, which is interesting. Cause that's probably not something that happens in the RPG design as much where you say these components are going to be the, the core of this game. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I think it really depends. I mean, the, the two things can definitely inform each other. Like, it's a little bit of an Ouroboros or something. Uh -huh. um, but I like, I mean, when, when you were talking about some of your hopes for the game and the audience that it could reach, I was also thinking of games like um, RPGs that use cards, like uh, Alex Roberts for the Queen mm -hmm. um, and um, the game Companion's Tale, um, by Laura Simpson and Laura's partner, Dev. And uh, they're both just like these great RPGs that use sort of a more board game, card game format, which I think mm -hmm. makes it really approachable for people who, uh, you know, sometimes when I'm at a convention, not that that's happened in a while, but <laughs> at, a, at a convention, at our convention booth, we'll have all of our games out which are books and people are like is this a game is it a book and if you're not familiar with the traditional rpg it's like mm -hmm. a little bit weird to be like oh it's a game a but point. you might you need dice that you can get separately at a game store like a um the card game really makes it a more approachable format for the the audience that we're potentially trying to bring in here mm -hmm. yeah and that was that was really helpful for you to point that out because i did not see that at first um, you know, I thought PDF, one page, you can print it. You don't have to do anything else. You don't need dice. You know, you can just, you can just play the game. Um, but really, um, you know, like, like it is with board games sometimes, sometimes constraints really can like of, of design can really help to direct you in how it's going to play. I, um, I just finished reading this book, um, called the design of everyday things by Don Norman. And it's been out for like a long time now. I, I did the, I read the expanded edition, uh, revised and expanded, which was the new edition that was replacing the 25 year old edition. I think this one came out back in like 2013 or something. And, um, and there was a lot of talk in that about things that makes the, about techniques and choices that make things more usable, uh, that really applied to games. And one of those was constraints and, you know, making it so that you can only do certain things 
Uh, and by only being able to do that, it kind of guides you on the path of what you need to be able to do, right? It's not just, um, it's a free for all. And, and that reading a two page document or whatever it was going to end up being, and then suddenly trying to take that and use it as like, okay, we don't know what we're doing. I'm just going to read these instructions and hope I can figure it out. Like that, that was, yeah. I mean, that was a tall order that it didn't seem like a tall order to me at the time, but now I'm like, what were you thinking? Like, good thing Hannah was paying attention because you weren't. (laughs) Well, it's really, it's really challenging. And, um, a big, a big thing that I know that we've struggled with in the game and that I really appreciate, like you've been so open to is when you first presented the game, it was kind of like this thing where players really had a lot of agency around picking kind of the setting and the tone, mm-hmm. like, oh, and you know, this is a game where you could play the Cthulhu horror version. You could play the romance version. Um and I pushed pretty strongly on like, we have to, we have to put the players on rails. Like we have to put this mm-hmm. game on rails a little bit um, because people are going to sort of panic with the way that right, it is right. currently um, when somebody comes in and they're like, I want to play Cthulhu Horror. And another person's like, I thought we were playing the notebook. Right. Um, <laughs> like, and I'm like, I don't want to play either of those. Right. Like. <laughs> You have Team Nicholas Sparks and Team uh, HP Lovecraft. <laughs> it just immediately wow. breaks up a friend group. So uh, I, re- I really appreciated you being open to putting the game on rails a little bit and us sort of picking a tone. Um, mm-hmm. And that that's also been one of the things we've consistently struggled with. Yes, yes. So, um, yeah, no, putting the game on rails was terrifying to me because I really thought we were turning it into a one shot that could never be played again. And I was completely misinformed and wrong about that. Um, so, but w- one thing we should probably do, because I do realize that a lot of people have no idea how this game works and we're just kind of alluding to it. So let me real quick here, I'm going to explain when I first brought this to you, what the game looked like, not from a component standpoint, just from a story standpoint, because while it's changed quite a bit, the core of that is still is still there, I think. So the, the original idea was was very straightforward and simple. You and your coworkers or friends go uh, go to a, a place. Um, and while you're in this place, you find the letter of someone. Uh, whether in, in the beginning it was it was very open. It was it was a letter or it was a message in a bottle or it was all these different things. Um, and one player got this and read it to everyone else and, or showed it to everybody. Maybe it was a video and it was basically someone's dying wish. They'd be like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm in this place. I'm having, I'm going to die. Um, but if you find this, that was the rule. It had to say, if you find this, please find this person and tell them that, uh, and, and then give them this information, right? Um, and so in the original game, I forgot this now that I'm talking about it. And so in the original game, then you were actually trying to track down that person. And the way you would do that is you played yourself, uh, you know, you you played your little Scooby-Doo gang of friends, um, or coworkers or whatever, and you would go down the chain trying to find people. And, uh, I don't remember what the number of people was that you would find. We'll say it was four cause it's four now, but. Um, it was something like that. It was some arbitrary number. And the idea was that you would start with somebody who was far away from this person 
uh, and work your way to finally the specific person you were told to find, um, which would always be a specific person because the message that you received was actually created by one of the players. So myself say, if I'm the one starting the game for us, I would actually write the message and I would play the messenger for part of the game. And then for the rest of the game, I would play myself and we would meet up with characters uh, and in different people within our group would embody those characters. We'd have a conversation. And the idea was um, to learn through these different characters we talked to because characters would keep getting closer and closer to this messenger until finally we get to the recipient who would once again be played by the messenger um, to kind of bring the story full circle. And so the idea was that you would, the messenger would provide you with a story and, and the way they saw things. And then through the eyes of the people on this journey, you would get a very different possibly story or your original ideas would be confirmed. That was up to the players, right? Like that was all the player agency that you were talking about. Everybody having that was just way off the rails. <laughs> um, and then eventually you'd get the recipient, you'd close the story, you'd see the impact that had on them. And it wasn't meant to be like solemn, but it was meant to be meaningful and dramatic, right? I mean, it was, it was definitely meant to be like a, you know, a more indie film, like where like in the end, like you figure it all out and everybody feels better, but also kind of icky and like, you know, you just, <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was kind of the idea for the original game. And that had a lot to do with the headspace that I think I was in and a lot of us were in, especially um, in the early, like to mid, like to 2020, I think probably by mid 2020, things felt kind of, kind of awful. Um, and we had no idea. We had yeah. no idea how lucky we were. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but so that was, so for the listeners who don't know about this game, that was the idea that I brought to you, um, with some modifications. Cause I don't honestly remember all the specifics. I just remember that it didn't work, even though I thought it did. Um, so there was that. Um, so yeah. So now from there is where we, we took it. We started adding cards to it. Um, and then I, I think the biggest initial hurdle though, was you saying like, we have to constrain this in some way. We have to put this on rails. Um, and I was, I don't remember how resistant I was to that. I, I, I know that I was resistant to loss of replayability but like was i super resistant to the whole idea you can be honest like i i don't i, I probably was i don't remember <laughs> what i was like <laughs> right because it's been so long um well i know you know my memory is that you were really concerned about replayability mm -hmm. and uh we were sort of like meeting in this middle place of like me coming more from the role-playing game space and you coming from the board game space and I was just really trying to like, like gently nudge and nudge being like, no, I really think like, like a big part of replayability is emotional connection. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I really think that if we put this on rails and like create, you know, maybe even create the same cast of characters we see again and again, if we create one messenger that we've come up with this character, um, you're playing every time like as the the messenger is this elderly woman and we know her name and we know a little bit about her life and why this story matters um it wasn't like replayability in that case wasn't as much a concern that i had i was like people are gonna if if that story is meaningful people are gonna want to share that with their friends um 
and also I'm a person who's like, oh, and if I only ever play a game once, then that's fine too. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's me in the way that I play games. So yeah, that's one place where I feel like you have been very giving with being flexible there. Um, and, and now that you bring that up, like um, the, I think one of the major points of contention was locking down that, that messenger and saying, it's this person, this is their story. Um, and that's the story. And we went, I think at first I was like, okay, but we're going to have four different messengers in the game. And all I, you got me to agree that the characters could all be the same, right? Like we'd have the same characters, uh, in some way along the way too, we, we kept coming up with different ideas for settings because like you said, my initial idea was so open and so that was actually a bonus for us when it came to coming up with settings was we, we have a list of probably 20 different setting ideas. I can actually look right now to see. Um, and we were so excited about um, the different setting ideas. Well, we have 13 setting ideas right now. Um, and that is, there is no limit to the number of setting ideas that we could have had. Um, and we'll talk more about what we're going to do, we think, with those setting ideas in the future. Um, but I was really nervous about that, was that somebody would do the story of one person and then that was going to be, I don't ever want to play this again. And you were like, no, 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 I think it's going to be okay. And so you talked me down to two messengers. Yeah, but you know, I had an ulterior mode. Oh, of course you did. Yeah. Which was a good thing, which was a good thing. So We had to just go glide into it. Right, right. And so I think the big compromise was that we came up with this fun idea of, because one of the things we had was we wanted the messenger's message that you get, because it's like a printed message on a card. It's like a letter they wrote. That was what we settled on. We we were both concerned about the idea that it was like, I need you to find like insert name here, like of one of the random characters um, and give them this thing or tell them this thing. Right. And that was like, that was really difficult because neither one of us wanted it to say random character name, like literally like, like blank. Right. And okay. It's your job to figure out who the blank is. Um, we wanted you to feel really in the story and we both felt like that took you out. Um, and then I I think it was your idea to like creatively destruct the name so that like in the letter, you just couldn't read the name. Um, and so in this, in this game, like there's a letter and it actually tells you who to go see and their name has been pulled off somehow um not by the person who wrote it um just naturally yeah in like this case i think it's packed away the by letter seagulls. is yeah. damaged or a water you know it's been burned or water damaged or redacted and yeah. in each of yep. our settings that's kind of what we're imagining yes and that's you know kind of the thing where we feel like there was once we thought of that it was like oh well okay now this can be more open and you can still try and figure out who the recipient is you know, so we went from the messenger is always different, but they give you a recipient specifically you have to find to the messenger is always the same, but it literally could be any person that you talk to could end up being the recipient of the, of the, the of this thing. And in this case, it was Edith giving them a locket was what we were using before. Um, we're not currently, but Edith, sorry, Edith is the old woman as we named her. Um, 
that she was trying to get this locket back to somebody important. Um, but we didn't actually get there right away. You know, one of the things we did was once we agreed upon one character, which actually that was fairly recent because like we had a second character and a whole story that we were going to work out for that character. And you just were like, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that liar. Um, <laughs> I should have just been more honest from the beginning. Basically. No, it was good. Basically. I needed somebody to ease me into it. This is why we work really well together because you were like, yeah, I know. We'll get to that. Don't worry about it. Don't let's worry just, about it. Yeah, let's work yeah. on the second person later. And I was like, yeah, sure. She's not lying. She was. Narrator voice. She she was lying. Just lying. Um, so we went through a lot of different iterations around trying to figure out um, so let's talk about one other piece right here. I think that's important. And we'll talk about my ulterior motive, uh, which was that, uh, I said this card, this game, let's make it an 18 card game. Let's put it in a hook box. That was, um, really, really amazing for us to figure out. Cause it means that if we want to, we still haven't decided, but we could actually print it at the game crafter, um, for a fairly reasonable price because these hook boxes are really cool. If you haven't seen them, they are, um, they're a box that unhooks and opens up to almost make like a plus sign. Um, and we've got some really interesting ideas of what to do with that. Um, but it's it's cheap. It's like less than $2 for a box, which for the Game Crafter is unheard of. Um, I'm not complaining about their prices. Boxes are expensive. And this was a way, this box is so much less expensive because it's, it's one piece like printed. Um, they don't have to like glue the cover on and stuff like that. All the things that make boxes awful, they don't have to do that. Um, because it's not actually a box, right? It's like an origami, like piece of cardstock that turns into a box. Um, so, so I was like, I think we should have 18 cards or less. And like, to the point where I've got a spreadsheet, which we still go to all the time where we list every single card, what it is, how it works. Um, what's on the front side. Is there anything different on the back side? Um, and we keep this card count. And you were like, well, I think we need more cards. And, and to be honest, like, and you probably knew this. I don't think I was that secretive about it. Like I was probably pretty transparent, even when I was trying not to be like, my goal was to get us down to 18 cards. And I was like, I'll be flexible. Let's just design what we have to design. And at one point we were up to about 24, 25 cards. Yeah, we were close. Um, <laughs> and now we're actually back under 18 and still not sure what to do with all the cards. And there was a point when we were 25 cards, all double-sided like which was 50 card faces basically um and i think slowly we've whittled that back down and that was always my hope but i mean if we didn't we didn't right but but i was really pushing for that <laughs> um so so that was that was that was the other constraint we were kind of working under was we wanted a game that was cheap enough to produce that we could sell it at a reasonable rate via crowdfunding and then you know get copies printed and and then have that out there um, and then make it expandable as well. Um, so, so in the process of that, do you have any thoughts about that whole deal with the cards and stuff or no? No, I mean, you know, it's just constraints can be so helpful. Um, the mm -hmm. 18 cards, there were times when it felt really tricky. Now it feels so built into this design that mm -hmm. we've come up with. And especially given that we're looking to make multiple versions of this game and all of these different settings, it's, um, uh, it's just good to have this number in mind. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Tip obviously for everyone, like in, you know, I mean, I know this is like common knowledge with a lot of game designers is that having a specific constraint or goal in mind can really, really help to pull it all in. 
Um, and for us, I think it's been a lifesaver for um, because it's forced us to to not just add cards and components to fix problems, right? Which I know I've been guilty of that before. Um, and so being able to not do that was actually really, really, uh, it was good. It was painful sometimes, but overall <laughs> it was good. Yeah. Um, no, so, you know, in, at the end of the day, I'm, I've been sort of appreciating that um, limitation. Yeah, same, same. So so then the story at that point had kind of pivoted, right? We had, we said, we're going to do this one messenger. Her name's going to be Edith. And within that, um, we're going to have uh, a multitude of characters. And, and the characters were really fun to design. And that's something that's been very much... Um, very much still a part of the process. Like the, the characters have never really left us, right? Um, we had decided we wanted to have set characters that the people could play, but create those characters in a way that was so freeform that you had as much direction as you want and then could run off in any direction that you wanted beyond that, right? And uh, so to do that, we actually created, I think we have eight characters in the game currently. We've created like 12 or 15 at one point. Yeah, some we just... of them haven't made it through. <laughs> some of them didn't make the final cut. Right, right. And that's, you know what? And that's okay. I mean, that was kind of the point was that we had plenty of them. And then we were able to slowly, you know, whittle it down to be just the best characters. Um, so an example of how a character might work, um, we have, um, uh, we have, I'm going to just throw out a, uh, I'm going to throw out a couple characters here to kind of give people, uh, I'll just throw out one, um, to just pick, try and give people an one. idea. Yeah, pick a I am, I'm going to, I'm going to pick, pick a really good one. So <laughs> the way we set up these characters are they have a last name and a first initial. There's no gender tied to them. There's no picture of the character. Um, and when you are given the character, your job is to give the, the, um, your job is to give the character a first name and tell us their last name, which is already on there. Um, and then, you know, whatever gender identity that's up to the player. Um, and, and that has been really freeing in not having to like worry about balancing that in a way that's going to stay relevant. Right. Um, and it's going to make people comfortable because we wanted people to be able to play characters that they felt they could relate to. That was kind of the point, right? Um, but there's also some randomness in which character you're dealt. So having characters that didn't, you know, that weren't overly specific about anything we thought was really helpful. And I think through the playtesting, that's been a positive feedback we've gotten. Um, so this character's name is G. Ibram. And then it lists their quote, I'd say in air quotes, job or kind of what they're known for. Uh, G. Ibram is a beachcomber. And then we give three pieces of random weird information about that character. In this case, they have fire red hair and swim flippers, just in case. Uh, they're always accompanied by a nervous pet. And they are a metal detectorist of note. And they live off the earnings of one incredibly rare beach find. So that's all we know about this character. Um, and we've seen this character in playtests go in multiple directions. Um, and it's been great. <laughs> so I, I think so some keys there, are like we give a little bit of physical description. Um, and then we try and keep it ambiguous. You know, the idea that they have a nervous pet, but we don't say what it is, you know, or they found something, but we don't say what it is. You know, you just know it was worth money. Um, 
in that, I think, I mean, have you gotten the same feeling? I feel like our playtesters have have appreciated that, those pieces of information. I think that the characters have been a really strong thread. We've had so many iterations of this game at this point, but the characters, I think, have consistently been one of the things that kind of has stayed. They're super easy to kind of mix and match and just, mm-hmm. like, um, for the most part, really easy to inhabit any of these characters. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I think that's been... That was something that we we went back and forth on characters quite a bit before we finally landed on the what if we're just really generic about the characters um, in a way that will be. And I think we first landed on that with the name and the gender of being generic there, like, you know, just not even labeling it, letting people decide that for themselves. And then from there, it was like, well, wow, we can also just do these super quirky um, bits of information about them. And and. I would say pretty much every character is just as quirky in different ways as that last character I read. And that was a goal, right? Yeah. Of... Yeah. They're all very weird characters. And, you know, I would even say by sort of removing them from like a, a specific like gender of the character, it even in, in some ways it also helps us like disrupt some of the expectations of who that person is going to be. too. Yes. Yes. And for the point of replayability, you know, um, that character could be replayed in many different ways. Um, and then, you know, the other thing that we had that was partnered with the characters around the back of the characters were items. Um, and the items were, were another point of contention for us. I think we had, we had agreed that, um, when you got Edith's letter, um, there would be three items with her in a box, uh, that it was packaged in. And those three items were random items that were given out. Um, and then the players would kind of work those into the story as they went. And that was a, that was a not great idea, um, that we, that I held on to for a long time as, as worthwhile. You can just see all of my uh, ulterior motives are just to get these card counts down to one. Yes. (laughs) Which I guess, I guess we were both working for the same goal separately. Like I was like, let's reduce these cards. And you were like, let's reduce this stuff. I have an idea for how to reduce these cards. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Sometimes you have to see it in play to, you know, see if it's going to work or not. Right, right. And so, you know, and then it would turn out that, you know, one of the items, so we we would then have prompt cards, too, that would tie to that, where the prompt card might say, like, um, this person is going to have strong feelings about one of the items that you've brought. Um, and they're going to have these thoughts about Edith. And so the prompt cards were, were made to tie in to the, um, the prompt cards were then designed to tie in the characters in a random way to the objects, which were also random um, to really just create like the idea that this story could be the exact same story with the exact same people and even the exact same characters. But because everything was mixed up, um, it would cause uh, it to feel completely different every time. Um, And I still feel like that's the goal, um, but we've found some ways to tighten that by reducing, you know, for instance, Edith now gives you one item and it is on the back of her, um, her card that says like, you know, Hey, this is Edith, blah, blah, blah. Here's my message. Also, here's this item. And then there's a picture of it on the back. And, um, and by doing that, it, we were able to a reduce a ton of complexity and card counting, um, with, 
and still and still keep really the exact same amount of of flavor i feel like yeah i agree um so do you want to talk about the one place for sort of our our main sticking point here that we've yeah uh, just yes. managing to overcome yeah so so we should let me throw that throw out that we've had some play tests we've had every play test we've had has been very informative um the last play test i feel like was the best play test just because it showed us that we're as, as far along as we are um the play test we had before that was a, a bit of a disaster in a good way um just because it was we we got like two turns into the game and had to stop and then had just a really good conversation about the idea of the game. Um, uh, Micah, uh, she was one of our playtesters, and she also listens to the show and uh, comes to our weekly meetups. and And she said, "I feel like every time you bring up this playtest, uh, it gets worse <laughs> the way you describe <laughs> it." And I was like, "Well, I oh said, I think gosh. as we have more, like, we realize, like, what were we doing? Like, this was like this was messed up, and we had made some drastic changes, and we really, I think, both of us were like, this is this is it, we got this." And that it was the game was just like, no, you don't have this. You're not even yeah. close. Um, but those play tests, I think, are fantastic because they they point you in the right direction, right? Um, and then here, let me. So the last play test, let me explain the last play test, and then I'll 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 trans I'll um I'll lead you in to uh to where you can then explain what our current problem is. So sure. So we were having some issues with in this actually the play test I think that called it out the most, and we just didn't realize it at the time was um was that was that disastrous play test which was all around the tone of the game um and we were like oh so people just don't they just don't it's not defined enough they don't get it um and i feel like we really like at least i in my mind i don't want to speak for you i put it back on the players like oh we really have to walk these players through so that they understand um, and then it really it took um evan your your design partner um who's been on the show before to really after Evan played it for us uh, as one of the last people and then said, you know, here, here's what I'm struggling with. And it was this like light bulb moment of like, Oh my gosh. So, so yeah, I will let you explain that. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, so I think that what happened was, and, and this is like a common thing that happens, is mm -hmm. we had a mix of sort of leftover things from multiple iterations of this design and some of our own resistance to wanting to like overdefine the setting. But basically what was happening was that we were going into this game with this letter that you start with from Edith and you read it and it sounds actually kind of emotional. Um, mm -hmm. and so the, the first thing that was happening was that some players were interpreting the letter as a, like maybe romantic, like, oh, okay, this is, you know, you're trying to find somebody who Edith like was romantically involved with. This is a love story. Other people were thinking of it as sort of familial or, or friendship, like, but either way, you know, this letter is kind of has like a little bit of a somber emotional tone. Mm -hmm. And then you have us playing as ourselves which is a little self-conscious. So that ended up having a little bit of a Scooby-Doo feeling yeah. um, because you kind of have to play that light for it to work. And then finally, we had these characters that we had written in that were a little bit more like twin peaksy. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think we were, we were making it really hard. Like we hadn't picked 
exactly what this game was doing. And that can be a really hard thing. It can be hard to hear from players. Um, you know, when, when somebody says something like, I don't know what the point of this game is. Like that can be, it's kind of a hard, it's a hard emotional thing to hear. You're like, well, this is the point. But um, we really did have to come further with like just really settling in on like, is this a, oh, and then also some some parts of the game kind of hinted at like an element of nefariousness. Like, so do we just had where we were hitting everybody with like, is this Scooby-Doo? Is this a caper? Is this a murder? Is it was something stolen from Edith? Is this a love story? Um, and so in our meetings that we've been having the past few weeks, and especially today, you had used the word through line, like what mm -hmm. is the through line here? We need a through line. That is the, the thing that we're doing, the storyline, this objective that everybody is sharing, whether that's a romance or whether that's a murder, we like, we have to, we have to pick it. Um, otherwise we're going to send people into a panic. <laughs> and that was hard, right? It's hard. Like it was yeah. really hard to do that. Well, and it's, it's also been hard because, you know, one of the things that Evan had suggested, and he's a fantastic game designer. Uh, he had said like, you both have picked a really hard setting to start with. You know, you have all these other settings, like whether it's a haunted house or a clue style mystery or, um, existential horror spaceship spaceship survival horror um this setting of like this sort of beach town finding a locket finding the recipient of a locket like this doesn't necessarily fit into any one of these genre tropes and he had suggested basically using this as like a proof of concept and moving mm -hmm. on and doing one of the other games first which i think that was a little too painful for you Oh. <laughs> just me i thought you too you were pretending <laughs> oh i'm always lying no, I no. <laughs> well you know my thought i i do i love this setting i do agree that it's really challenging um i i could really go either way with it you know i mm -hmm. feel like whatever happens we're we're going to make this game and and we're going to honor edith rasmussen and her beach town um uh but i think you had made the point of like well, if we can tackle this one first, then we can do anything. And I think that that's right. a nice way of thinking of it. Of saying, no, we need to. Well, I think, I mean, I personally like have really fallen in love with this setting of this, this town, which is called Shoreside Hollow and in the weird people that live in it. Like I can envision this town and what it's like. Um, and the idea of stepping away from that really, really made me like sad. Like, honestly, like it was like, I'm I'm sad about that, you know, and um, yeah, yeah. But I, that's one of the reasons why I think I pushed so hard to say like, hey, we should really like, no, we should do the hard work here. And if we can conquer this, all these other settings we have are going to be easy because it's like you figured out how to make it work. Um, the rest is just tweaking that awesome system that you've made, you know? Yeah. Um, so the, uh, I think that, you know, the big thing was realizing that, yes, we need to define what the letter is, right? We need to define what that through line is for the story. And, um, and just today, yeah, I think, I think we cracked that. Um, I think we figured out how to, how to make the setting work with the characters and with the story. Um, 
because yeah, because the real big thing was like with those, you know, with, with the, um, you know, all of the options we found were the more specific we made the character uh, or the request or the feelings that the townspeople had about this character, the more interesting it got and the easier it was to stick with that. Right. So, um, yeah, so let's, um, so should we, should we explain exactly yeah. where we're at now for this, uh, for this part here? Yeah. So earlier today when we were meeting, we had kind of gotten stuck on the question of, um, like, okay, if there's going to be a, a right recipient for this locket or whatever object you're trying to get to its rightful owner from Edith, then presumably there's, there's multiple wrong recipients and we want that to have stakes. Um, but also because we don't know who the recipient is, we don't want everybody you meet to just be like a potential mm -hmm. like quote air quotes, bad guy. Um, you know, where later you're going to kind of have to retcon it in being like, this person seemed so nice, but actually they should have, they didn't deserve the locket. We decided it right. was this other person. And I had said something like, oh, you know, this would be, these stakes would make a lot more sense if this was like magical. Um, mm -hmm. We don't want to make a game. We don't want this to be a magical setting. But if it was not like, this you know, setting, but <laughs> not this setting, you know, if this was like this magical locket or amulet that you had to get and, you know, for it to fall into the wrong hands meant that they could do evil. And you, you were just like, what if it's like, you know, this thing like this, whether it's an amulet or a statue where whoever has it is the rightful mayor of the town. And I was like, that's so ridiculous. And that is so awesome. <laughs> it's so ridiculous and so weird. And it also like we can we can make that work. And the stakes are so like they're so appropriate then. They're so mm -hmm. like they're high stakes, but um it's just this bizarre caper. Like, why does this town do this? Why right, why right. do they have to find the like you know, the, the bust of Mary Weathersby or whatever I had said for it. And whoever holds be, that. Right. Uh, for, for it to be the mayor. And so we have a ton of work ahead of us. Like this is mm -hmm. a pretty big change. A lot of our cards are going to have to be remade, but for the first time, I feel like we really have that through line. Yeah. Um, big time. And one of the things that's going to allow us to do, which is really interesting is, you know, before you get this letter, um, you know, you get the letter and you get the locket and then you just try and figure it out. And you really didn't have a lot of information. And and I think one of the biggest issues was um, in, in Evan actually made this apparent through playtesting, uh, which was, you know, hey, uh, who, you know, you, you're going to talk to four people in this game, right? And you're going to talk to four people. And one of those people is going to end up being the recipient. You're, at the end, you're going to be like, oh, you look at a prompt card, it says the recipient was probably this person. And then you go figure out who that person is and you go talk to him again, right? But we consistently, our characters are saying, hey, who who should we give this locket to? <laughs> Which, of course, no one could answer because they didn't know because maybe it was them, maybe it was someone else. So it was that was problematic, right? Whereas like Hannah said, but this, this fixes that because you now no longer want to say, hey, who should I give this to? That's your job, right? So it's allowed us to create more stuff. Uh, you know, we're, we thought we'll have like a newspaper article that will be part of the package that will explain to you why this town does this. And then we'll have another little document that's part of it. These will all just be on cards um, that will say something like the rules for the election of the mayor. 
and it will explain how the mayor is well not elected but selected right um so that the players kind of have an idea of what they're supposed to do um and then the idea that edith for some reason has said listen this town's off the rails i've stolen the statue of mary weathersby or whatever it ends up being and y'all need to figure out as outsiders who you should give it to um which is just like Hannah said, it's it's just ridiculous. I mean, I'll use the word stupid. It's stupid it's in the best ridiculous. way. <laughs> All right. And, you know, one thing that um, we didn't say in our, our conversation earlier, but that I was just thinking of now was I feel like this also makes it a lot easier to play yourself because mm-hmm. we've kind of made this setting like it is questionable if this setting actually exists in this world. Right. Um, you know, and so we really have like a lot of opportunities for sort of weird surrealism here of like, oh, we all like we're all friends that just went on a vacation together and we're in this town that's like really bizarre. Right. Right. <laughs> um, which I feel like makes it a little bit easier to play yourself when you're in such a, a strange right. setting. Like if you're confused, if you feel a little nervous, you can just like bake that into the game. Yep. You know, and you're like, now I know why this Airbnb was so cheap, right? (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. Yeah, everybody in this town is just at each other's throats to be the mayor. Right. And and the big thing is, we we wanted to have, too, like, one of the big things around it was, like, we called the cards, we had prompt cards, and we changed them to investigation cards, right? And we felt really good about the idea of investigation. But now it feels more like real investigation, like from a movie where you're being like sneaky, right? Because you don't want to just go to everyone and say, listen, I got the statue and we have to pick the mayor. Like, and they're like, oh, we'll just, I'll take that for you. You know, that's not what you want. Um, So it's really interesting um, how that's going to help the characters or the players, um, you know, put themselves in these interesting situations where they have to be a little more subtle and a little more sneaky. Um, I was just thinking that it would be really funny if all those cards were just called mayor cards. Like it doesn't really make sense. (laughs) (laughs) And the game is just called like, you know, the many mayors of Shoreside Hollow. (laughs) Every card is just a mayor card. (laughs) So yeah, we have our work cut out for us. It's going to be very strange. Um. Yeah, and and we're really excited about that. Uh, I think what I'd like to do, if it's cool with you, is I would love to end this with kind of an explanation of like pitching exactly if the game were being made right now, this is what it looks like. And then understanding, kind of documenting that, and then understanding that the next time we talk, we'll have hopefully what the game actually does. Um, would that be, is it cool if I do that? Yeah, sure. Awesome. Okay. I, cause I don't want to be like, Hey Hannah, do this because like, <laughs> because I think I have an idea of how to explain it. And then yeah, you just I, jump I in never and have tell any me idea what's going on. So it's <laughs> not what I was be implying. My guest. There. <laughs> um, so I, but I think that I, I'm going to try to take the new idea and explain it with the last version of the game that, that we just came up with after this last play test. And then you tell me if any of it, if I'm completely off base in any of it. So we'll use this as a little design session here for us too, <laughs> to see if this is correct. So, okay. So the way the game would work right now, as, as, as I think it would, 
uh, is that you, uh, you're going to go to this town. Um, you're on this little vacation. We talked about having the players answer a couple questions about why they wanted to be on this vacation and that sort of thing. Yeah. And those worked out really well, you know? Just yeah. Yeah. We tried those. They were super did, fun. Yeah. Why did you need a vacation right now? What are you most excited to do? In, right. You know, in this beach town. Yeah. And those were, you answer those as yourself, like as if you just got to go on this vacation, what would be so exciting for you about it? Um, and then you go up into the dunes, you find this basket. It's got this letter. In this case, now it's going to have a news clipping, some other information, and then, you know, uh, some sort of statue, maybe of Mary Weathersby. Maybe I don't something know why else. I keep we don't saying know. bust of Mary Weathersby. But you keep saying it, but I do. It is interesting. <laughs> I do like it because um, it's oddly specific. It's so um, specific. And uh, so, uh, yeah, so you get that. And then from there, um, the way the game's going to work are, is so far is each player is then given two cards. Uh, the two cards they're given are um, front and back. On the fronts of the cards are characters in the town. On the back of the cards are investigations um, and just really good info you're going to need for the scenes. You also, the board, is the board of the game, because there is kind of a board, is actually the box. So the box actually has a map of the town on it with locations uh, labeled on it. And when you open that box, it's going to make a plus sign. Um, and the whole town is going to be labeled out on there for the different locations you could go. And the only locations you can go are the ones labeled, but there's some fun, interesting locations, including a bowling alley. Cause why wouldn't you go to the bowling alley? Um, and the place you go to other than providing some flavor doesn't directly affect the character you may encounter or whatever with that. Um, so what'll happen is then uh, we're going to decide on a location to go to, and uh, we're going to go to that location and then somebody there will, will, you know, so the, what we'll do for that location is we're going to have this card that we've kind of dreamed up. We'll see if it's going to work or not. And this was something Hannah did on the fly in the last play test. And it was one of the best things about the play test, which was, uh, so this card would kind of be like an arrow that would say character. And that arrow would be the person who chose to play a character for that scene. So I'm going to play one of my cards down and I'm going to be a character in this scene. Um, and so when I do that, um, I, uh, they're going to point the arrow at me. And what that's going to do is then it's going to point arrows at other people. One of which will likely say something like lead investigator. And that means that in that scene, that person is going to take the initiative to kind of lead the charge. And this is partly to make sure that everybody gets a chance to talk and that shy people get a chance to step out and, you know, do a little more. Um, and it just makes sure that everybody gets their, their, you know, their ideas in there. Um, and then the other two arrows would be would be two different things the person would have to do, kind of like an A and a B. And I, I kind of envisioned, we had talked about this, but we haven't set this in stone yet, that on the investigation card, uh, which would be played, um, would actually have what those A and B were. And some of the things that Hannah suggested were like a Yelp review, like give me the Yelp reviews for this uh, for this bowling alley, you know, it, it was amazing. <laughs> It was a very, yeah, it was a really on the fly thing to make sure that everybody kind of had something to do in the scene. So, and it was such a, it, it feels like such an indie RPG thing to, you know, be like, oh, Brian, tell us what, like, what's the weird decorations that are on the wall of this diner? Or yep. what's, you know, tell us about what are the Yelp reviews like uh, for this coffee shop? So I'm not sure exactly how we're going to write those questions, but making sure everybody has questions to answer to set mm -hmm. the scene was very like, Mwah. yeah. Oh, it was, it was, 
it was such a brilliant idea. When you did it, I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. And then by the end, I was like, this is the best thing about this game now. Like, I love this so much. Nice. So um, so you would have somebody do that. And then the, at that point, then the person playing the character kind of takes over. They would describe themselves. They'd say, hey, you see this person over here. Maybe I approach you, maybe whatever. Um, and then you have a conversation for maybe five minutes with this character. Um, and the investigation card would kind of give you some some things to ask them, like some goals of the scene for both you and the person playing the character. And by you, I mean the rest of the team. Um, and then after that, that person would either suggest someone you might want to go talk to, to learn more about Edith or whatever you're investigating. Um, or they may tell you to go to a location, either one, um, which before we kind of had to lock that in. Now it can be a little more freeform, I think. You're going to do that four times where you're going to keep going and talking to different people to where every person uh, gets to play a character. And then um, and then after that, you will get some sort of revelation card, which is basically going to be like, hey, you need now need to decide who you're going to select as the next mayor for the town, because that's what you've been charged with. Um, And then you're going to decide because you've met, you know, there's a whole town of couple thousand people and you met four of them so you're going to pick one of those four for sure uh yes, to be the clearly, next mayor <laughs> yes. as the expert outsiders here you have really narrowed it down right right um and so that's what you're going to do you're going to uh you know but there'll be a different twist for different ones of those on those cards you know it may be like you know that you've realized the mayor the person who's the mayor needs to be like the and these some traits right and then you're going to attempt to, you know, uh, retroactively map those traits and discuss who best, you know, w- fulfilled those traits, right? Um, you know, we and, get to uh, crown the mayor of this town. I mean, it's so funny. It's so it's so right. strange. It makes no sense. <laughs> no sense at all. No sense at all. Um, and so, but we're super stoked about it. So I think I think that's about where we're at with it right now. Did that all sound kind of in line? Yeah, that all yeah. tracks. I feel like it sounds more done than it is um, now that we've got these big changes. Um, but I, I would say that for me, I am more excited about this game than I have been since we first really dove into like the mechanics of like, wow, we've got these cards. Like it just feels like we finally have a direction that's going to just, that's going to help us sail to the end of this. Um, I mean, do you, do you agree? Yes, I do agree. And I think that the only, uh, you know, the only downside here is that with our more kind of traditional tropey settings, I think we've pigeoned ourselves, pigeoned, pigeonholed ourselves into some weirdness that we're going to have to carry through now. Mm-hmm. You know, so, this, this yeah, is going to have to be like, point. we've, we've injected a little bit of like an expectation of surrealism into this line. I had used the word with you today, slipstream which is like a genre that I really like. That's sort of like, Mm -hmm. okay, this is our world, but something's like pretty weird about it. And I think, I think we've created a little bit of a slipstream setting and we may just have to honor that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And so, so a little, so a little talk about that in the, in the future plan. So the idea for this game is that we will get it to where it's ready. We'll crowdfund it. uh, We'll put it out there. Um, and you know, we will definitely record again before we do that, when it's time to do that, when we have kind of the finished product and we can talk about it that way, we'll do that. Um, and then from there, um, we're hoping that it does well and that we can then do some different versions of the game. Like, like we said, we have plenty of setting ideas. 
Um, and I think kind of the primary goal for that is to you you take a different setting um, and you honor the initial game and the strangeness now that we have going out with it and the slipstreaminess of it. Um, and uh, when you we then take but we give it a twist. Right. So like what is different about this version? What makes this version unique other than just the setting? Because the settings will always be different, you know, um, and we have, like I said, we have lots of ideas for settings and we're very like geeked about a lot of those. Like it was hard to just dis- like it, it's going to be hard for us to determine exactly what we want to do uh, with the next setting, especially now that we've kind of changed some stuff. I think before we had some pretty strong ideas about what we wanted to do next. Um, but yeah, so the goal is to just, you know, as long as people are interested in these, keep putting these out, have them be super affordable. Um yeah. And, uh, and that's kind of, that's kind of the idea because this is something we would love to continue making as we go. Um, because yeah, cause we're super stoked about it. So, uh, in the next episode, uh, when, when Hannah comes back, which will be a while, but uh, when we get to that point, we'll talk all about all of the plans for things like distribution, crowdfunding, um, you know, the final version of the game, what we did with artwork and all that stuff. We'll talk through all of that to kind of show you all what's next and then hopefully it's successful and then we can come back again after that and talk about how we do the fulfillment and all that stuff and really just make this something that everybody can follow along with um, and hopefully, you know, help people understand uh, how we're doing it. Uh, and so, you know, hopefully it'll be how you could do it too. Not, oh, don't do it like that. Um, you know, that would be. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, people can tell us what, what they think about the idea of many mayors. <laughs> Yes. So weird. <laughs> so, well, thank you again, Hannah, for coming and hanging out. This was a lot of fun to chat about all of this stuff officially. Yes. Thank you, Jason. And um, listeners, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, you can always go to buildinggamepodcast.com. Uh, there you can find our Discord channel. You can email us at buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find us on the Twitter at podcastbtg at J.A. Slingerland. And Hannah is at handbandit. And, uh, of course, keep coming back uh, next week and every week. Uh, But until that next time, good night. Good night. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Dial 770-TEL-BTG. Please don't use the email.